This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 540, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. There's a girl that you might know, she's a friend, at least I tell you so, but it might surprise you to find there's something going on behind the door. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 540. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. 
Hello. And that's it. <laughs> I don't even know where Josh is. <laughs> he just, all we got was a vague message on Monday, yo, I'm out. And that was it. So. <laughs> Normally we know, okay, he's traveling. Or I, don't, I don't even know why he's not on the show this I don't, week. I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, it's just him. So. I think he got sick of rating those DC books. Ratings. 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 Well, he picked ratings. a good week to skip. So, <laughs> uh, But, uh, yeah, so no Josh. So just, just you and I. Just, uh, I will try to fill in the, uh, the role of the second Jamoke. I feel like, well, it might need to be jabronis or something because we're different. <laughs> it's a different grouping. We'll figure it out. We are a fanboy. We like comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book as well as other books that came out. We'll do some listener mail in a week. We don't normally do ratings, although we only have one rating book this week, so maybe we'll get some listener mail in there. No promises. And uh, spoiler warning. That's it. There's spoiler warning. Ron, you had the pick this week. The controversial pick. I saw lots of grumbling on social media about it. I don't know how it could be controversial when it's my pick. It's exactly. It's not. It's not, it's a not your pick. It's mine. It's not, yeah, it's not a community pick. It's not a. Let me ask everyone what their favorite book was. No, it's what was my favorite book. And the pick of the week was I Hate Fairyland number six. This is the brainchild of writer and artist Scotty Young, and uh, with color by Jean Francois Bilou. Bilou. And so we talked about it previously on the show in the first uh, story arc, the first five issues of I Hate Fairyland. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, it, you know, we, we talked. It's funny because I know it's coming back to back with uh, Grizzly Shark, you know, right. with, that, with that as the pick. And th- this falls under that same kind of umbrella of uh, a book where the creator is having a ton of fun and you can tell. And humor. And humor, yeah, exactly. But but like, but also just like you know, Scotty flexing his creativity muscles and like creating this whole world and these characters and this ridiculousness or whatever. And every page just oozes with so much fun. Mm-hmm. And that's how I felt for the first five issues. But I'll be honest, at the end of the fifth issue, I was like, okay, he told his little story, and there we go. Right? <laughs> and then and then when when the news broke that he was going to keep doing it, I was like, oh. That was an interesting choice. And so, <laughs> and so here we are, which is the first issue of, of the new arc. And for those who read the first arc, it ended with Gertie, the main character, uh, killing the queen of Fairyland and, be- and taking her mantle and becoming the queen of Fairyland. And so that's where we pick up things, where Gert is the queen of Fairyland. And I, I, as I started reading this issue, I was like, all right, I cannot wait to see where he goes with this. And what we get is we get a great action-packed, opening and it's like a coliseum and there's you know there there's you know kind of a a uh, what's that's the word I'm looking for a roman fight, fight yeah, yeah roman kind of gladiatorial fight and between a cute little fuzzy pink thing and a big scary green thing and the cute fuzzy pink thing wins and then we see queen gertrude and she has filled out she's she's got big boobs and then she's all grown up I thought, and how, i was like how is she aging yeah, exactly. That was why you know, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh wow, we were really jumping here or whatever. And then turns out this is all a daydream, uh, as as Gert, Gert is still a young little girl, and she is mired in the uh, in the bureaucracy of running a kingdom, <laughs> where all she does is sign paperwork, and it's really boring. And then and then what we then do is we get a we he kind of fast forwards through, um, you know, she finds out that as queen she doesn't really get to do anything. She tells people what to do, but that's it. And so she decides to go off for a year and do her queen like duties, which ultimately end in disaster every time and for some reason end up with an explosion <laughs> which was a very funny gag that went throughout the whole book and so then finally the um you know the the book gets towards the end and turns out the after a year of her reign oh wait so, so she's finally after a year of her reign she is so broken down and had it she's locked herself in the throne room where she has been peeing in bottles a la howard hughes nice 
which was something that I thoroughly like. When I, when I saw that, I was like, is he? No. Love like, a good Howard Hughes joke. Exactly. Love a good Howard Hughes joke. Even when it's not even, it's just vaguely referred to with the bottles of pee. Right. But uh, she uh, encounters the head of HR for the kingdom and they decide to lay her off from being the queen. And the issue ends with her going back on the road and uh, to wreak havoc in fairyland. Can you lay a queen off? Well, <laughs> well, it's funny because I uh, – so I had picked this to be pick of the week before Scotty Young went to Twitter to remind us of the book. Yeah, you got, you got lobbied on Twitter a little bit. I got lob- but the thing was – and normally that's a no-no and Scotty yeah. should know better. He really should know better. But luckily I had already read this and I already loved it and cackled and cracked up. And the reason why Scotty had lobbied on Twitter was because if you read his uh, last page kind of wrap-up of this, he explains this whole issue as he basically good-wifed us. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, right. uh, which talk about is, playing to your audience. All right, exactly. Which is thoroughly true in this issue. You know, he says, you know, end the season with a big status quo changing plot twist, only to come back to the next season and be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's basically what he did was that you know he you know put her in this position as queen. We got a little time of her, but he in in doing his own book, and you could see that you could see the point where he's like, okay, I'm going to make her queen, and be like, well, that's boring. I want to have fun. Let me go do this. Right. And it's that freedom that he's utilizing that makes this book just feel so much fun and so full of energy. And I've got to say, this issue might have looked the best out of all the six so far. Wow. I think so. Wow. At least I think so. I think there were a couple of great big double-page spreads of uh, in the middle of, of when she was going through the kingdom and seeing different creatures and things like that. The colors are just – are the, the balance between him and Jean-Francois Billot, who they've worked together before, but they work really well together. It just every, – every point hit its note correctly. You know, and and in a week where there's a whole lot of stuff going on, real heavy stuff at Marvel and DC and things like that, this is the one that I I, I mean I laughed out loud a couple of times. You know, and how, how can you ignore that? Is uh, so he's going ongoing with this then? Yeah, yeah, he's going ongoing. <laughs> so good for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. If it sells, it's great. And I can see that. Like this is a and the thing is, is that this is a it's a very violent book, mm-hmm. but there's no cursing. There's no like I mean like I could buy would buy this for my nieces. Would your sister be happy about that? Well, what what she doesn't know won't hurt her. <laughs> well, I might check this out. I you know, we talked about the first couple. I read the first two. I just the tone is for, for me and the main character for me were very exhausting. Yes. It's the same fear I have for the fix, which also has a sort of similar manic tone to it. Yep, and uh, I tend to get really burnt out on those books really quickly. So I didn't read uh, three, four, or five, but yep. you know, I like the Good Wife. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. So there's a connection for you there. Well, the, the thing was with the first arc, which the first arc I thought was really good, but over the five issues, it got a bit redundant in terms right. of what was going on, what the thing was, and we got we came to a conclusion, and it ended that season with okay, she's queen, and like I said before, I was really curious. Okay, if he's gonna keep doing this, how what's he gonna do with it? Where where is he gonna go with it? And it's interesting to see somebody work through, you know, working in solitude by themselves, you know, like a truly cartooning, you know, like mm-hmm. writing and drawing it and having an idea and a plan at the start of the book and ending up in a completely different place because the characters take them there. I think that's fun to watch. So, um, you know, so a part of it is, you know, kind of celebrating the freedom or the uh, the, the the work that Scotty's been doing with this book. But then also, like, I mean, it's got to look good. It's got to – I mean, like, I, I don't take the pick of the week lightly, people. No, um, we never you know? do. <laughs> and then some of these – in the middle of the book, I'm, I'm, I'm just flipping through it now. And there are these double-page spreads of her kind of, of uh, you know, venturing through the kingdom. You know, and you see there was an assassination attempt by a, a warlock and then, a you know, a uh, an attack from farm lords uh, who were upset that she was eating them. 
They're all pigs and she's eating ribs. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just the imagination, you know, and, and the thing was is that it definitely still has that manic energy. I don't think as much in the first arc, so I, I would recommend you take a look at it. Right. But it still has that kind of crazy you know, this is a crazy, crazy world that that is existing in. And what was was going back to the Howard Hughes gag is that the buildup for that is that there's a wheelbarrow full of bottles, and all the bottles have faces, and they're talking, and they're talking about how the queen is losing it, and how it's best to stay away from her. And then they find out they're going to the queen's throne room, and they freak out, and then they realize that what they're being used for, <laughs> and all the bottles are screaming, saying no. <laughs> and at one point, she when the HR woman comes and and and, and, and she's explaining herself, and she, she holds up the bottle full of her own pee, and the bottle just is just, just help me please, and it's all yellow tinted. Like it's just like, uh. a lot of good. There are a lot of good visual gags, a lot of good writing gags, um, and it's just fun. And I just want to see. I want to see where where we go from here. You know, especially after especially after good wifing us. <laughs> all right, well, I applaud his inspiration. So good job, Mister Young. I hate Fairyland number six. <laughs> yes, my pick of the week. And the collection just came out of the first five. So if yep. you, if this sounds like a book you want to read and you haven't heard us talk about it before, you can you can get caught up fairly fairly easily. Yeah, strongly recommend it. If, if anything, it, I mean Scott. I mean this is this is unfiltered Scotty Young art. If you like his covers for Marvel and things like that, this is him doing what he enjoys, which I think is. is oh, you rarely it. see better looking comics. Yeah, than yeah, absolutely. So let's move on to the ratings segment. Ratings, ratings. If, if you're new to the show, uh, this is where we've been rating the DC Rebirth books. And I think this would have gone smoother had they all come out at once. Yeah. If they're going to trickle them out like this, it's going to be a weird show for about a month. Well, the thing, the thing that annoys me is that we've, we've had a pretty good – like the first two weeks have been great because we've had a handful of books. Yeah. And then this week I got all excited to do ratings and, and, it's, and it's just one book. One book. One book. It's just ratings. weird. It's, it, you still get the Rebirth books while, while those same characters are appearing in other – Ongoing books. Yes. So we'll very, talk about that. Yeah, very, very odd. So this, was, this week we're rating Titans Rebirth number one. On Ratings. The, the PRR scale, which is pick a comic, read a comic, rate a comic, based on the mate's uh, per system. From a one, well, one through five, though. Where on a one they? through five scale. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. This is written by Dan Abnett with an art by Brett Booth, who are going to be the creative team on the ongoing Titans book starting next month. Yeah. So uh, this is – we talked last week about how Flash – was basically Rebirth Part Two. This this feels like Rebirth Part Three, and that we, now Wally has moved over to find his old friends in the Titans wearing his new costume, and has to explain the the state of the world to them as they don't recognize him, much like Barry didn't. I liked a lot of this, but I think what this issue did is, is it's forced me to wrap my head around what this DC Rebirth actually means because. They're not going all the way back, despite the fact that in DC Rebirth, <laughs> Wally was like, it's all wrong. We have the wrong costumes and we're too young and it's weird. Uh, here, the weird thing was the flashbacks weren't to the old continuity, which no. <laughs> didn't Wally come from the old continuity? Yes. <laughs> so how is he having flashbacks to the new 52? I don't know. I don't know, man. This is the one where I was like, wait a wait. Well, like you're the DC guy, so you know much more of this. Like, so, so, like, here's the thing: is that like I'm a Flash guy. Yeah, I love the Flash. Specifically, I'm a Wally West guy. That's that. Right. That's my Flash. Right. Hashtag my Flash. Not my Flash. Hashtag not my Flash. You know, even though I recognize Barry Allen's you know role in the Flash family and all that you, sort of stuff. You but came in through Wally. I, I came in when Barry was. I came in at a time when dead characters stayed dead. <laughs> I'm just God saying. Damn it! God damn it! Um, it was a simpler time. <laughs> 
and and through that though, through reading the Flash and through reading Wally as the Flash, I learned of the Titans. You know, and I and for a while I read Titans books when they were out, and they were you know like remember in the two thousands there was that run Jeff on Titans, Johns did a great run, yeah, really great. Yeah, I read that really good. So I had an affinity for these characters, but a lot of these flashbacks, like I didn't know if like I don't know any this of these. Is all in fifty two. Oh jeez. Which yeah. is bizarre because so in the opening page, the, literally the first page, the splash page is of uh, the quote unquote original Titans, yeah, uh, running you know to some adventure, and Wally's wearing his. His old costume. His flash costume. Yeah. Donna's wearing basically the old original Wonder Girl costume. We'll talk about we'll talk about Speedy's hat later, but <laughs> his, he's basically wearing the red uh, Arrow costume with a with a baseball hat. Aqualad's wearing some sort of Aquaman hybrid suit, and then Robin's in his dumbass New Fifty Two original costume. And, and I was the, like, and who's the redhead in the dress? She's she's is that Raven. She's an old no. She's an old Titans character they brought back. Who I'm not yeah. really. She's like from the '60s. I'm not really okay. All that familiar with her. But the original group would would not include the the redhead girl or Speedy. Yep. And B, why are some costumes from the old continuity and some from the new? I thought Wally came back from the old continuity. Yeah. And so when he's when he goes to you know jog their memories, we yep. each, we see flashbacks. But clearly it's not from the... And I get the whole point is that it's muddled, but I thought for Wally it wasn't muddled. Right, yeah. So I'm kind of confused. It's very confusing. However, I enjoyed this. I, I, I gotta say, I enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah. So much so, actually, like it's funny because I've long been on the record as being a Brett Booth fan, only to get quiet about that over the past few years because <laughs> there's not been a lot to be excited about for Brett Booth. But I thought not every page, but there are some pages of this that were solid. Yeah, he can be hit or miss for me. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is that I, I mean, the cover I think looks great. Yes, like the cover looks amazing. But you know, there there were a couple of pages where I was like, oh man, this is the Brett Booth I like. This is the Brett Booth I remember. But then of course there are a couple of pages where it was just wonky and weird, as you as you would expect. But a lot of layouts were really good. Oh, the last page looked really. The last page looked great. I thought where it's Wally holding the picture. You know. And yeah. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed the heck out of this. I thought it, I thought it was great. I thought it got me excited. I want I might I might read the Titans book. And Dan Abnett, you know, he's yeah. he's been writing that Titans Hunt book, which I have been enjoying, uh, despite it all being weird. But you know, he seems to have the character voices down, and there's some fun banter. And yeah. I really like the scene where he goes to meet. You know, he goes to jog Dick's memory, and that was a fun scene because you know those two guys are yeah. we're best friends. So you want that's an important relationship to get down. And so so basically, it seems as if Wally needs to touch them. Or shock them, or shock them somehow. Right. Yes, he's some power that shocks and that 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 wakes them up to it all. I could have done without the flashback of Wally and Aqualad fist bumping at the end. <laughs> I could have done with I could have done without that. But all in all, I thought it was enjoyable. I could have done without Roy Harper's entire visage. Well, okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know why they are. It's extreme, Roy Harper. <laughs> he's a badass, Ron, and the reason you know. know that is because he wears his hat backwards. Right. Yes. Not sure why he wears a baseball hat with his superhero outfit because as someone who played a lot of baseball, if you get any kind of wind resistance under that bill, it's going to come flying off. So, right, so yeah, as someone who exactly. jumps off buildings a lot yeah. or, or, or falls out of planes or whatever superheroes do, that yep. hat's not staying on. Yep. It just looks dumb. It just yep. looks really dumb. And Agreed. front, forward, back facing, doesn't matter. Either way, it's dumb. It doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. However... I like this. This was fun. These are good characters. I like the original team. It's interesting that they're sticking sort of with the original team when everything else in them tells them to follow the cartoon lineup, which I guess is what... This is Titans, right? So there'll be Teen Titans, a book, and that's going to have, like, you know, your more Starfire, 
yeah. changeling group. But this is the original Titans group, so which is what I like. So I'm happy about that. I will is, read this more. What do we think of uh, Wally's new costume? It's sad that he went with the designer that Barry uses that gave him all the extra lines. <laughs> but they're not there all the time. No, they actually seem to be here the whole time. Well, they, they, they get, there, there are little lines and accents, but they only get super accentuated when the lightning thing was happening. That's true, but they're still there, like on his legs. Yeah, yeah but I know. Yeah. It's not as bad as Flash's, actually. It's very subtle. I, it's, it's kind of a hybrid of... It's a hybrid of Flash and Kid It's Flash. a hybrid of Kid Flash and Wally's costume after Barry came back. Do you remember that? Like the, the crimson red costume? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he had so. that belt that sort of points to his dick. Yep. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. It's, 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 it's a Nightwing? Or? <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. All right, so ratings. 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 I, I give it um, three and a half. I'm, I'm going to give it a four. Well, all right. I'm going to give it a four because I found myself uh, liking Brett Booth more than I thought I would. So I'm going to give it a four. It was solid. All right. And are you sticking with it? I'm gonna stick with it for a little bit. Okay. I'm gonna maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm making a mistake here, but uh, I'm gonna stick with it. Well, you want Wally stories, right? This is where you I do get want them. Wally stories. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no. But but going back to what you're saying is that you don't know who or or what when this is or whatnot. It, it, going back to what we said originally, when this happens, it looks like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yes. So yeah. I kept wondering why he wasn't saying in my, in my memories. It's all wrong. We're all wearing this wrong. We're all too young. We're wearing the wrong costumes. Like it's, yep. he should be holding up that photograph, going, "This never happened." Yep. So we'll figure it out. We'll um, figure it out indeed. I'll, All have right. to, I'll have to wrap my brain around this. So now we're going to jump into four DC books came out this week. Four number ones off of the Rebirth issues from two weeks ago. Okay. So we are not – so to, for clarification, we are yeah. not rating the number one issues. No, and we're also not going to always do them. It's just we wanted to talk about all four of them, so we decided to do them in a group. Right. First up, uh, Batman number one from new Batman writer Tom King, art by David Finch. And okay. I don't know if you saw or heard, but Tom King did a little mini press tour this past week. He did Talksplode of our show with Josh, and he yep. did uh, our old uh, iFanboy Paul's show, O-Comics, where they both talked about the upcoming Batman work. And I was very excited because I think it was on Paul's show he described his, his take on Batman as basically uh, bringing back the feel of the animated series. Okay. Scott Snyder's run... Acclaimed, we loved it, we all picked it multiple times, but it had a very specific Scott Snyder point of view on Batman. Right. And I wouldn't call it a traditional Batman right. point of view. Here, with Batman number one, this felt much more traditional Batman, but still in that same vein. And so for that reason, it felt like a breath of fresh air, which is maybe the wrong way to say it because... That would imply that I didn't like Scott Snyder's run, which I did. No, yeah, but it, it could be it, it could be a, a a breath of different air, right? Yeah. And this so. is a very simple story of a plane is crashing, and you know the some 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 criminals of the oh, it's Cobra actually, Cobra, Cobra uh, stole stole Stinger missiles, and one of them didn't wasn't recovered, and they shoot down a plane, and it's just Batman trying to save the plane. Very simple, no overarching real overarching story. Um, just uh, one man against you know against the, the elements, and I really liked it a lot. Okay, I enjoyed this as well. I read it, so mm-hmm. I gave it a shot. I read it. Mm-hmm. I I liked it, mm-hmm. uh, although 
I did take umbrage with so basically the whole the whole premise of the issue the whole the whole thing is that a plane is going down over Gotham and Batman is working to save it to steer the plane away from the city and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I felt as if he threw in the towel a bit too early than Batman normally would, because <laughs> at, so, at some point, at one point, he's 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 on the plane. He's put little jets on the wings, and he's and he's trying to steer the plane. And he's got Alfred back in the cave helping him, you know, with the with the with the jets and and whatever. And then he starts telling Alfred, like, listen. I left notes for the for the Robins. It's here's the code. Yeah. Do you think my parents would be proud? I'm like, this is the first issue. Well, that's part of like, he still pulled it out. Well, he didn't really. Pull I it know, out. but the but the thing. Well, no, he didn't actually yeah. pull it out. That yeah, was the, the twist yeah. at the end. But the thing was like, like, it looks like he had it handled. Even if the even if the even if the, uh, the, the the these two new characters didn't show up, like I just feel as if Batman doesn't throw in the towel this early. Hmm. I can see that. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe <laughs> you know. It's Batman. sort of reminiscent of the yeah. end of Captain America. When when yeah, it's like just just Steve, just jump out of the plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. um, Or or the end of Batman. Even though I haven't thought about this movie in forever, into the into the Dark Knight Rises, same yeah. thing. Yep, yep. I went with it because it sort of established the, this this tone of the new Batman, and that it's they're bringing back the Batman family, this, which was shown in Detective Comics last week. But he's going to have all his characters around him again, and it wasn't quite as grim as as before. So, I, I can I, I I buy your premise. I didn't have it didn't bother me. Yeah, that just struck me odd. I was just no, like, I when it. he started going into that, I was like, whoa, okay. Listen, um, Alfred's got two hands, okay? I know, yeah, I know. <laughs> so for me, you're already starting at a good a good point. Fair enough, yeah, you're blinded by by Alfred's being, uh, uh, having two hands. What did you think, the big question, and yep. unfortunately Josh is missing on this, what did you think of Finch? Finch is not normally my style, but I thought he did a fine job. Yeah, I didn't think, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think it was overly Finched. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't yeah. as dark and, sh- and shadowy as I've seen before from him and I you know he's done Batman work before which is fine he, it was good yeah I enjoyed okay. it it was fine alright so stick uh, so um, also I wanted to note on it that yeah. it featured you know uh, I, I don't know if the if the Finch was less Finchy because he had an inker on it but right. uh, color by Jordy Belair letters by John Workman yeah Tom King was able to choose his team well done and good, he said good I want Jordy and John Workman good choices so uh, I think this book's in good hands Cool. All right. Uh, so, uh, so you're gonna stick with it? We're not doing that, but yes. <laughs> I know. I just, it's like the bother you. Did you read Superman number one? Uh, I did read Superman number one. What did you think of it? I thought it was charming. I thought it was delightful. It's a very. It's not surprising because we've been building to this, but it's it's a new take on Superman. Yeah, absolutely. It's Superman as Super Dad. Yeah. I was most impressed, though, by uh, Patrick Gleason. Yes, he, his heart looked really good. Very uh, Tim Sale-y at, point, at moments. Yes. You know, like, and not, 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 you know, in terms of ripping off or homaging, but just in terms of stylistically and, you know, kind of look in the way it, it balanced with the colors and the shadows and things like that. It was very, I, w- I was very impressed by Patrick Gleason's art. Yes. As we talked about before, you know, New 52 Superman has died. Old 52 Superman who snuck through in Convergence has taken up the mantle. And the, the twist now is that, you know, in the intervening years of sneaking through, he and Lois had a kid yep. who's now developing his own powers, which yep. he uses here, despite being told not to, and with very negative consequences. So this, I don't know what their plan is, but this feels like it's going to be a family book as much as it is going to be a superhero book. Which I like. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. It's interesting, for sure. I mean, we didn't like it in the Superman Returns film. But what's interesting here is it's because they're living on a farm. They're not living in Metropolis. So it's sort of like Clark's become his dad 
and now he's got to raise himself. Him, which is weird. <laughs> while still being Superman. It, it, there's a very interesting sort of parallel story to him him and his kid here. So that's yeah. kind of, that's interesting. He's even got his own Lana Lang who witnessed his using his powers. Right. And I liked, it was, there was a scene in the, in the beginning where, you know, Wonder Woman and Batman show up. And I, I'm still waiting for the scene where they're like, um, explain this to us again. Who are you? Right. But, <laughs> I, it was interesting because they both look really menacing, and I guess that's because it's from the kid's perspective. Like, there's one point yeah. where they both look up; they all look up at him, and they have these creepy white eyes. Um, but he, he's freaked out, so I get—I totally get that. But uh, yeah, yeah. This, this could be really good. It was very Actually, good. I was, very, like I was very. That seems at the very end. I don't know what I'm talking about. That was not the. Yeah. First, that was not the beginning. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was very. I was very impressed by it. Yeah, it was fun. So Green Arrow number one. Green Arrow Rebirth was our pick. I think it was yep. both of our picks. Oh, we, we both said it would have been our pick. Yep. What did you think of the the first quote unquote real issue? I was kind of let down. It wasn't as good as the rebirth. It issue. wasn't as good as the rebirth issue. I don't know if it was too dark. I felt as if it was like very dark, and I felt as if it had too much of the same stuff that I read in the New Fifty Two. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There was just, there's something I, I don't know about it, but I read it. And I just I was disappointed. It was still good. Don't get me wrong. I still like I still like Otto Schmidt. Otto Schmidt. I'm yeah. very excited about the art. Looked very very good, but. You know, basically the whole you know the whole premise of this is you know uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary are, are doing their adventuring and they're arguing over what you know you know how to help the city and so Ollie takes her on a tour of the city to show all the shelters and all the things that he's open you know to what he's trying to do, um, but then you know she's insinuating that there's more going on so he goes back to his company and and is looking in the books and then the guy who he trusts turns out is 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 betraying him. It's Lucius Fox. Yeah, exactly. And then and then there's a whole they made a whole big deal about him, you know, taking care of his little sister and blah 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 and then it turns out she's betraying him yeah. and it's just like and it just felt it felt the story-wise felt too much like the stuff from Lemire's run. Yes. During the New 52 and I did not want that. There's a lot here. I was yeah. hoping to sort of start off slower and more simple. And I don't yeah. mean in a bad way, but just sort of, you know, you, this is your clean the slate moment. Let's clean the slate. Yeah. And uh you know, maybe that's what's going to happen here. I don't know. If he, Oliver finds that his company is not doing quite the good Sh- he thinks it is. And shocking. Shocking. Very similar to what we've read in Batman books, too, by the way. Yeah. But I liked it. I did like it. It just wasn't, I was, you know, we, we both so much loved the, the last the issue, Rebirth issue. I thought for sure this is going to be like pick of the week contention. And uh, it was a solid book, but. I was I was so afraid you were gonna be like get all mad at me because I was disappointed. No, like, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you we're on the same page there. But I also think it's because our expectations were really high after that rebirth. Issue. Yeah, yeah, they were. Like if, if that if that had never happened, they just had launched with this. I would have been like, oh, this is interesting. I can, yeah. I can get behind this. But the last one was so good. Yep. So we'll see. All right, and then finally, Green Lantern's number one. Sam Humphreys and Robson Roca on art. This is picking up the Simon Baz and the new girl. I forget her name. Uh, Jessica Cruz, right. the new Green Lanterns. What did you think of this, Connor? I liked it, but I'm still on the, sort of on the fence in the same way I was after the, the rebirth. Yep. I kind of talk to myself as I read this, because at first, so these two are partners, particularly Earth's sector, despite the fact that they also have Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner and I assume John Stewart as well. Yeah. So it's very heavy on the cop metaphors, yep. so even to the point where they hold their wrists like they have guns. And at first I didn't like that, but then I thought, you know what? For years, I've been saying I just want Hal Jordan space cop stories, and that's basically yep. what they're doing. So okay, like I had to remind myself of what I wanted. So this was fine. I just don't really care about the Red Lanterns, right? Which is the you know the the, the big thing here, right? So 
I don't know. I'm gonna keep with it because I really do want to read a Green Lantern book. I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I like the art a lot. I like yeah, I had, I had the same feeling coming out of the the. I was I actually I was more excited coming out of the Rebirth because I just liked what I saw and what was coming out of it. This, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I I my enthusiasm went down a couple of notches. I'm still gonna stick with it because I really like Sam as a writer yeah. and I just love the you know I love the idea of the Green Lanterns and all stuff like that. But I was this didn't knock my socks off. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving them a, a bit of a wide berth on a lot of these books because I want to return to a lot of these characters. So I'm, yeah. Unless I really dislike something, I'm probably going to stick with it for a while, um, right? Or I don't know what for a while means, but this was fine. I just, I wish the Red Lanterns weren't here. I just wish they were doing something else. Right. I just miss the days where they all wore the same costume. Yeah, I know. They're all they all have their own like identity, which I understand and I get, and I like the, I like the expressing themselves or whatnot but like even with the but the thing is like the, what what dri- drives me like I, I don't care about the costumes or so much but like the whole simon boz thing like it, it, like he's still dealing with dealing with being thought to be a terrorist like right. can you just you just need to move on from that like i feel like there's there's all this baggage from the past five years right. that that we were all understanding and agreeing didn't work and so move on from it you know, like, don't, you know, like, don't, and, and I don't know. Uh, I feel weird. like being a space cop trumps federal authority. Yeah, I feel like too. Yeah, exactly. So. Or I feel like being on the Justice League, they can be like, okay, maybe you're not a terrorist. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it was, I didn't dislike any of these books. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I, I, they weren't, yeah, they weren't awful. I mean, if I had to, if I had to rank them, I would probably, I would probably, I mean, Batman and Superman, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns. Like, that's the, yeah, it's in that order. That's how I would give them, you know, in terms of the excitement. I might swap Green Arrow and Superman, but yeah, basically. Yeah. All right. All right, cool. Well, so those are the new number ones. And we are, you know, endeavored to be covering DC Rebirth as uh, indefinitely as possible. <laughs> and that requires your support. And we want to thank everybody who's helped out uh, helped out support on iFanboy.com. If you go to iFanboy.com slash support, you can find a link there where you can shop on Amazon where a little portion of your purchase doesn't come from you, comes from Amazon and goes to us and helps to keep everything running, keeping all the servers running, keeping everything else that we need to keep this podcast coming to you on a weekly basis, as well as also supporting all of our uh, – movies and all the other uh, fun stuff like that. And we want to thank everybody who has donated directly either through the iFanboy memberships um, or through a direct donation. There's a link there where you can um, uh, uh, donate any amount you want via PayPal. We want to thank everyone for that. And we're working on some things behind the scenes to kind of rejigger the ways you can support the iFanboy. So stay tuned for that. It should be interesting. Uh, But as always, without you, uh, there wouldn't be a show. So we appreciate it. And also, we're aware that the registration page is currently experiencing issues. Yeah, so if you're looking if you're looking to uh, help out directly, go to that donate button. That's the best way you can do it right now directly. So yeah, we had we had a technical issue that blew up our website in many ways. So yes. well, yeah, blew up is, is dramatic. well, you know, yeah. you can't register and you can't become you can't make an account. There's a, there's a wrench in this manner. Yeah, we're so we're gonna, so, all right. Yeah. Let's move on to Civil War Two, number two. So you might have noticed that you know we talked about I Hate Fairyland, and then we talked about a whole bunch of DC books. Now we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of Marvel books. Okay. So, uh, so Civil War Two, number two, uh, written by Bendis with art by Dave Marquez. And as far as I'm concerned, for my money, the story on this event, quote unquote event, continues to be Dave Marquez. Yes. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous. It's, it's book. amazing. It's gorgeous. That said, story wise, eh, I could take it or leave it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reading it, and I'm you know it's fine. As yeah. you said, it's all about the Inhumans, and don't don't really care about them at the end of the day. Yep, it's bizarrely muted. Yes, the whole situation. Yeah, 
So, I mean, so so basically in a nutshell, if you're not reading it or if you're not aware of it, you know, so last issue we saw Ulysses, the uh, the inhuman who can see the future, uh, told Carol Danvers and a whole bunch of team to go fight Thanos and War Machine died and She-Hulk apparently is near death. And so Tony flipped out. And in this issue, he kidnaps that inhuman and is trying to figure out how his power work. And while he does that, the inhumans find out and they go to attack Tony and uh, they, they go to the Stark Tower and then – and then Carol and everybody all find him, and then Ulysses goes, ah, the Hulk's going to kill you all, and that's how it ends. You've read as many Avengers books as I have, but yeah. I, I haven't read a lot lately in the last couple of years. Has Carol been this fascistic? Fascistic? No, I don't know that she's been fascistic, but she's been, I mean, she's always been a military person, mm-hmm. and when she wasn't a drunk. With what's going on in Alpha Flight, she's now in a, in a leadership position. Right, but she so so he so Ulysses says, okay, sorry, the Hulk's gonna kill you all. And then the final page teasers, you know, yeah. uh, Carol showing up at Doctor Banner's secret lab in Utah and looking very angry. And I and, just, and which by the which by the way, I feel bad because we get it's just a one page, three panels, and we get an establishing shot of his lab in Utah, and then we get a somewhat medium to close up shot of him looking in his microscope, and he's kind of smiling. He's just happy to do science. He's just happy to do science. Let's leave him alone to do science, and then you get angry Carol, and it's uh, I feel bad for the guy. I, I don't know. The thing is that I feel as if they are putting a lot of weight on this schism, on this question, right. As to whether or not the whole thing is, do you protect the future? Do you fight the future or save the future? Whatever the whatever the the, right. the battle lines are, right? Do you believe that the future is set? Right. That, yeah, was, exactly. that was the central. I mean, there are interesting things happening here. It just feels very oddly low key for a big event story. But yeah, so, so yeah, so Iron Man's side is to protect the future, and Carol's side is to change the future, right? But I, but the thing is, I feel as if they're forcing that they're forcing the hand of the of the weight of that positioning. Like I don't feel as if this issue has any gravitas, mainly because it's it's based in Inhumans who I don't care about. You know, like I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, it's just weird. Also, thing- if you think back to Civil War, I mean, it did have that through line. You know, there was yeah. a reason. It, they did break up for a reason. The te- you know the Avengers and, and yeah. you know there hasn't been that Captain America defies Shield and escapes the helicarrier moment in this in this book. Yeah, there has not. Defined, that defines the you know the conflict. Yeah. Right now, it's just semantics. So now what we're going to have is we're going to have a parade of me bitching. Oh. Just to warn everybody. So there are several other – so as I'm scrolling through the, Mar- the Marvel books that are on sale this week, I see a whole bunch of them. Some have the Civil War II tie-in cover treatment. Some don't, mm-hmm. you know, and, and all this sort of stuff. And so just, um, just some quick hits here. So Civil War II, X-Men number one. Remember how in the original Civil War, they're like, don't worry, the X-Men play a role. Right. And they didn't really play a role, right? right. Constantly teasing you. Exactly, and then this time around, like, don't worry, the X Men play a role, and and so this is the X Men playing their role in Civil War Two, and essentially all this was was Magneto and his team going to Dubai, where there's a rich mutant who is apparently so apparently the Terrigen Mist is a cloud that is just circling the globe. Yes, it's just constantly circling the globe. Yes, right. They can't get a couple of big fans and blow. Well, no, well, that's the thing. And so, so now the glow, now the, the the cloud is on its way to Dubai, and this rich mutant has uh, made an apartment that can withstand it. They're all safe there, and Magneto and his team go to try to get those mutants for whatever reason. But then Sentinels show up and they blow up the apartment, and now the cloud is coming, and then Storm and her team come, and literally Storm is using her wind to keep a cloud away. That was the big action moment: is that they were staying away from a cloud. Well, that is 
It's sad. That's what it is. It's sad. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Oh, it makes no sense. It's it so stupid. It just doesn't. And it's weird. And I feel like... <laughs> this, this, this feels forced. This feels not natural this feels not elegant it's just bad it's just, and and like and so like, like magneto is angry that the in basically magneto blames the inhumans for the terrigen mist and trying to kill all them again so now it's pitting magneto against the inhumans and storm and her team are trying to say no we need to work with them and it, it's just it's it's a third angle to the civil war thing mm-hmm. that is just pointless that is just like you know i don't know it's just it's so dumb so dumb so then moving on from that so International Iron Man is a book I've been enjoying. Yes, I right? have too. It's Benis and Malieve or mm-hmm. Malev or whatever, you know, however you pronounce his name. And the, the, Malieve's art has been great. I was in the shop a couple of weeks ago and I showed – somebody didn't believe it. I'm like, no, look. It's no, like – it's, it's good yeah. Malieve. It's good yeah, Malieve. it's good Malieve, yeah. And so this time the, it has the Civil War cover treatment on it. Now, did you read this issue cover? Yes, I did. Aside from one page that took place – after the big battle in Civil War Two, number one with the Sentinel yeah. or the the uh, Celestial, did this issue have anything to do with Civil War? No. Thank you. You know, we talked about before how unless the covers really blows me away, I tend to just gloss over them because I don't have the physical yeah. issue in front of me. Yes. I completely forgot it was a, it had the on the cover treatment, so it didn't it didn't really bother me because I just oh it, it drove me crazy because I was like oh it's, they're dragging this into Civil War Two or whatever, and then I literally read the book three times trying to map because it jumped around time so much. That's sort of the classic comics thing. It's like, it's a tie-in. The first page is yeah. a tie-in, and the rest of the issue, the writer's like, can I get out with my story now? Which really sucks, because this is a nice little story that I feel as if should not be related to what's going on in the world. Maybe because it's just because it's Iron Man. Right. They think it will spike sales or whatnot, but it's just dumb. It's just dumb. I mean, that said, the issue's good. I enjoy what's going on with this, although it is getting kind of redundant. I don't, want, of- I don't want him to not be Howard Stark's kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think they put a seed of doubt as to whether or not he actually isn't here. Yeah. But I don't want I'm I don't want it to be the case. I think yeah, I think agreed. legacy is important, and the fact that he's part of this Marvel legacy of Howard of the Stark family is important. Yeah. Um, so there's I enjoyed Nova Number Eight. I enjoyed Nova Number Eight too. Now Nova Number Eight is a book that that I enjoyed it, but with an asterisk. Okay. It's a book that very much tied into Civil War Number Two, as we see the whole big fight from Nova's point of view. We see Nova and Miles Morales at the party. You know this this party, which seems to be the seminal moment. Like, it's not so much the battle, it's the party at I Tony's. love the party. <laughs> they, it's it's kind of like, the, you, know, you, you know, when you're on a TV show or a movie, you live yeah. for the after party. It's getting through the, getting through the battle to get to the after party is why, why we yeah. do this. And it was kind of funny that, that's, that superheroes do that, too, at least in this, in this way. I like the party scene a lot. I like the fact yeah, that he's, a, he's the yeah. new kid and no one really knows who he is. And didn't you used to be taller? Oh, you're different, Nova. And, like, yeah. I like that bit. Although, yeah. although there's so- the scene when... When Steve is, he's he's telling them to stay out of the kitchen and he's looking down at them. There's a re- his his face is drawn really weird. Yes, yeah, but, yeah. But so so we get that, and then Nova comes home. And my only complaint about this Nova book is that it, I've been reading it since the get go, mm-hmm. and it just seems like every two issues we get his mother saying, "I can't deal with this anymore." Like they need to get past whatever this problem is. Right. You know, and I understand like being a teenager and sneaking in and out and trying to go to school or whatnot. But it's just like as a Nova reader, I was just like, oh, again, you know. And so then th- my only complaint about the rest of this issue is him sitting around waiting for Iron Man to be available to help him figuring out his his, his helmet. Right. Which I felt like kind of a, was a waste. It was funny, but it was kind of a waste. Well, who else is going to help him? Sure, exactly. Well, I don't know. Reed Richards? Oh, wait. He's gone. <laughs> God. Anyway, so then finally – Deadpool number 14. Uh, number 14 clearly 
is set in Civil War II, yet nothing on the cover. Hmm. No, just, just they the can't cover. make up their mind. Yeah, exactly. Like there's like not, nothing. The cover is Deadpool and the rest of his uh, mercenaries playing cards, and they're all cheating. And it's a lovely cover. But then it, it like literally takes place during the big fight and at the party and all that sort of like it's just like it's just it's a mess. It's all a mess. Uh, but this had art by Mike Hawthorne, who's always great. And it, and again, I like I do like the idea of okay, you've got this event, you've got this big fight with the with the celestial, and then you've got the party. And seeing all the different sides to, you know, like we saw Nova's side, now we see it from Deadpool's point of view. And also this book had a really, really good gag. Basically all the mercenaries that Deadpool hired are sick of Deadpool, treating them like crap. And so they're going to form their own company. And But they have no money. And Cable happens to be hanging around. And Cable just walks into the room holding bundles of money. And they're like, what do you do? And he's like, what, you haven't seen money before? And they're like, what? You, they're like, what? And he explains that he explains that I burned through tons of cash. But I'm not bad at financial planning. And he goes back in time, and there's actually panels of Cable in a top hat and a tuxedo and a horse and carriage going into a bank. <laughs> and basically he's explaining how Cable's been able to bankroll everything he does over all these years, which is hysterical. <laughs> That's good. So good job, Jerry Duggan. I like that. I think it's interesting that both you and Josh have come around to becoming huge Deadpool fans. Well, I don't know. I mean, huge is a is a is a is a is a leap there, my friend. All right, solid Deadpool fan. Solid Deadpool fan. I mean, well, I mean, partially, I think it's because I, I'm I'm a I'm a big Jerry Duggan fan, mm-hmm. and I like to see what he's doing with it, and he's doing some great stuff with it. And Mike Hawthorne on art doesn't doesn't hurt, and you know, like it's 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 been good. Yeah, so I, I've come around to it. I've come around. All right, so, well, I'll admit. Finish off the with Star Wars corner. We're, yes, we got a new Star Wars book. Yeah, so uh, Han Solo number one from Marjorie Liu and Mark Brooks. <sighs> you didn't you didn't read this, did no. you? No. Okay, yeah, you're you're probably better off not because this there there are two problems with this book. Yeah. One is that this definitely falls into your area of I don't want to know this stuff. Right. You know, and so basically this takes place between after A New Hope, before Empire. Yeah. And Han is off trying to earn money to pay off his the mark. He's trying to pay back yeah, Jabba. Pay Jabba back. And so he's left the rebellion. And now Leia pulls him back in because they have a mission that they need. They need the Falcon. And at first they don't even want Han or Chewie because they want to enter the Falcon into this into a space race. Space race. <laughs> yeah, space race. And um, and Han says nobody flies it but me. So now Han and Chewie are in this you know stakes are high space race. Uh, wacky races in space. There you go. <laughs> but um, so it definitely falls in that area of this is the kind of kind of stories that you don't want to read. You know. Well, I mean, that's I would I would disagree. I mean, if you're gonna do those stories, do Han and Chewie in a wacky space race. I don't want to know about Han's family. You know what I mean? Right. That's, that's yeah. what I don't want to know. I don't want to know important stuff. Like yeah. Well, that, well, tying it into the the paying off Jabba and all that sort of stuff. Like, it, 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 just do it as a story. This is a story that's happening. You know, like don't don't tie it in. Don't make it make sense in the in the continuity. I guess that's my point. But well, you still need a reason why they're in the space race. So I'm just gonna do right, true. Fun. That's true. I, I actually I don't agree. But I just, okay. maybe maybe you just didn't like the story. That's also fine. Well, yeah, no. But well, well, then the, the second problem is is that so the Falcon they they get to the race and all the all the ships are all there and it's very intimidating and Chewie growls and Hong An says no, I'm not nervous and then he looks at Chewie and says we've got this. Oh. And that's when I went, oh, God damn it. I know. It, it, it's a plague. <laughs> yes, it is a plague. It, it was in at least four or five books I read this week. 
It was, yeah, it was. It, I, I saw it at least in two other spots too. Yeah, I yeah. remember way back when the New Fifty Two started, and it was in seemingly every issue of the New Fifty Two. Yeah. Some variation of "I got this," "We got this," "You got this," and I really, at the time, we were still doing articles. I was going to do an article about it, and I just didn't have the time. For something right. happened because it was going to be very labor intensive to go through every issue and find it and cut it out. And so, so you did, so you didn't have. I this. didn't do it, and I feel bad because I feel like it'd be very you know prescient right now because yes. it's still in every goddamn comic. No, it's funny because I so yeah so and you, you Josh is the one who pointed out to me, which is that the phrase "I got this" or "We got this" is is a is is a crutch now that many writers are using. Yep. And um, I pointed out to the guy who owns my the the, the store that I shop at, and like two weeks later, I came in. and He's like, "Thank you for ruining my comic reading." Yeah, it's, it's in like, every it's goddamn comic. It's in every, it's in every comic. Yes, it's it's. It was it's in awful. Green Lanterns this week. It was in a bunch of books. And I'm sorry, Han Solo doesn't say "We got this." It just doesn't. I was looking at the preview while you were talking. I do like the all red variant cover. Oh yeah, the all red variant was awesome. Yeah, but, um, and so then finally, also Star Wars number twenty came out, and this is an, the next chapter of the Mike Mayhew drawn in between arc story of Obi Wan on Tatooine. Okay. And the only reason why I wanted to highlight this was because apparently Obi Wan spends his time in a herd of bom- banthas, and he has them all named. And at the end of and so he fights the he fights the the Wookiee bounty hunter in this and it's very action packed and Luke flies at the Skyhopper and hits all those notes but for me it was at the very end of it when uh, Obi Wan returns to the Banthas and he, he goes hello Nara you're looking well today what's the matter Dolo why so sad and like oh Obi Wan hangs with Bantha he's uh, he's turned into a crazy old man on the yep, he is much. a crazy old man. Yeah, pretty much. I have no idea who the artist is in the next arc. The single page teaser for the next issue is like a very propaganda y shot of stormtroopers, so I'm very excited. Uh, he is a crazy yeah. old wizard. He is a crazy old wizard. All right. Well, those are the books that we read this week that we enjoyed or didn't enjoy. And there was a there was a lot of books. I mean, Spidey number seven was great. I, I oddly enjoyed Vote Vote Loki number one this week. You know, like what, what it, is that book? It's it's basically Loki running for president and it's it has nothing to do with anything else in the in the Marvel universe and like half the issue basically what happens is that they you know there's a Trump and Clinton like but they never say them and Loki is posing as a reporter cuz he's just he's taking in the, the 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 humans and then he gets exposed and then of course the press runs with it and they said are you running for president he's like I'm not running for president and then the twist is that this carnation of Loki was actually born in the United States and so he is eligible, and then he decides to run for president. And so, yeah. all right. Uh, I just looked while you were talking. Star Wars twenty one, the cover you loved, yeah. uh, David Aha. Oh, he's not I, the artist on no, it. No, art interior art by Jorge Molina. Oh man, what a tease! Yeah, that's not fair. All right, there you go. Let's let's do an email since we have. Let's done do an email. It's been a while. Yeah, why don't you read it, Connor? All right, Peter from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada says. Given how there's always lots of talk about how comics as an industry, specifically meaning the big two, is not as big as it once was at its peak and such, I started thinking about Image. Given how it's a fairly new company compared to that of Marvel or DC, it seems to be getting more popular all the time. I'm sure this is partly due to the prevalence of TV and movie people scouring the comic world for a thing they can turn into a film, but for Image as a company, I have to think it's going pretty okay for them. Which brings me to my questions. Number one, when Image launched, much before I was reading comics, was there ever any sense that, oh yes, for sure, this will be a company number three for sure, or was it just another small indie with some big names behind it? And number two, if you had to bet some money, here's your crystal ball, do you think there's any other room for another company to get to image size, levels of quality, and success? Does this, that company exist already, or has it not shown up yet? All right, so question number one is when we get to be old man comics. Yeah. <laughs> when we were kids, Image was the number two company in the comics. <laughs> but no, to answer your question, when Image launched, it was definitely oh yes. 
Well, it was number. It, it, it beat DC when it launched. Yeah, it had yeah, a higher not, market share than DC did. Yeah, exactly. Like they, it, it was, it was the, it was the top, top talent in the industry forming their own company. It was all everyone was talking about. They were the hottest books. Those books sold millions of copies when they came out. It, it, it was, it blew, it blew up the industry when it came out because it threw everything on its head. Yeah. So I mean, it de- it definitely was an immediate take notice. It was a paradigm shift for the whole industry. Now that market share didn't sustain itself because the books oh. didn't come out. But for a while, they, I can only imagine what it was like in the DC offices when when they dropped to number three. Yeah. Talk about it being bad now. It was yeah. probably a bad month at DC. Right. Yeah. For a while, Image was able to knock DC down. It didn't sustain, but they were firmly ensconced as you know one of the you know the the top companies. Yep. Then they failed to the ship. They had infighting. They had problems. And for a while, Image was below Dark Horse. You know, like yeah. it was it was it dropped, and you know, and a lot of the work over the past ten years has have helped build it back up. You know, but it's it's, it's it's Image has never been able to attain the success that it had when it first launched, and even now, like yes, you're right. There's been a ton of. I was just having. I, just, I was uh, just having lunch actually with a with a comic pro with a writer this week, and we were talking about it. He was saying to me, he's just like, oh yeah, no, the image, the whole the whole image boom in the past couple of years is over. He's like, the numbers are dropping. Everybody's oh, talking yeah. about it. Yeah, like the, it's, um, it's, the last yeah. a sales report, and they've you know when you were last there, it was at yeah. just on the door ten percent, and now it's back down to eight and seven. Yeah, yeah. Like my, the high point, the high point when I was there was twelve and change, yeah. which I busted my ass to get to. And 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 I'm not saying there's any there's no connection between the two or whatnot. I think that a lot of it is. The, I mean, even if I was there, I bet you the numbers. No, no. Are the same. Yeah. I think the luster of the original books is you know off. I think the strategy, which I get practically, the strategy of taking months off between arcs is the problem. Yeah. I think you probably see way less sales when the books come back. Yep, you do. Yep. And uh, I just there's only so many big names in comics right now. Yeah, and the thing and the thing is, is that a lot of the, you know, you get a lot, you get a huge launch and excitement around it, but the books are challenging to sustain, and they're dropping at a faster rate than previously. So whereas a book would launch at one and sustain over an arc or two, you're seeing by issue four them dropping precipitously, which is dangerous, which is a problem, you know. But uh, but if they get a movie deal out of it or a TV deal out of it or they get the trades out, you know, a lot a lot of what Image do, doing now is focusing on the book trade, which, which is, is I think smart. Is smart, which is yeah, which is something that I helped you know usher in as well too because the the opportunity is there but so to get to your second question do we think there's any room for another company and does that company exist or hasn't blown up yet i would imagine the folks at valiant or aftershock or black mask or dark horse or idw would disagree with me but my answer to this is no yeah i don't think so either yeah, I think I think that the, the comics industry we have is the comics industry that we get is the comics industry that we're gonna have. It's pretty much been set for twenty years. Yeah, it's yeah. You I can't. Mean, do it. We haven't. There hasn't been a major player since Image came on in the early nineties, I and mean, it's 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 pretty much the company. We the this is it. This is the comics industry. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's too ingrained. You know, Marvel and DC are still combined seventy percent of the market. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think I think that it's too ingrained. They're too big. Yeah. I mean, ha- having Disney and Warner Brothers behind you, you just cannot compete with that. Anybody comes in, they just flood the market with more books. Yep. Yeah, I mean, look, if you look if you look at it from a business standpoint or a sales standpoint, look at what Marvel and DC do. Look at all the variants. Look at all the stuff. And a big problem also is the direct market and the retail yeah. positioning. Is that the retailers? It's it's a weird balancing act. It's a weird seesaw because the retailers. Are, okay, so let's say Connor, you own a comic book store. Okay, Ooh. I just I just gave you my comic book store. Oh man! All right, Screw. so you you have one thousand dollars to spend each week on books you're going to order. Okay. okay, okay. So you've got a thousand dollars. 
Okay, and you add up all of the Marvel and DC books that you that you need to that you need you need to stock Batman, you need to stock Superman, you need Civil War, right? You right. need all that stuff, right? Now you're left with two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So then you've got to make choices. What image books do you get? What Dark Horse books do you get? What IDW books do you get? There's, and the market is flooded right now, and retailers have only have so many dollars they can spend, so they can't order everything. So you can't take a risk on a really good aftershock book. Because you don't know anything about that company. You might know the creators on it, but you don't know if it's going to sell. You don't know if any right. of your customers want it. Nobody pre-ordered it. So do you order it? Can I spend the money on Magic the Gathering cards? Well, you, that's probably it – might, it might get you more money than the comics would. <laughs> there <Yeah>. you go. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's t- it's tough. It's tough, and I, it's just this is it. This is yeah. this is the and then it, and then that's not even that's not even talking about all the incentives and all the sales deals and right. things like that. Where like Marvel will do something where like Civil War two and blah blah, you can get this one in two hundred and fifty you know black and white variant, but you've got to order six hundred copies of all these other comics combined. I talked to retailers when I worked at Image, and I and this exists around the country. I think more than anyone wants to admit, there are retailers with boxes and boxes of unsold comics yeah. of unsold comics in order to get. Variants, boxes of Avengers vs X Men, in order to get that variant. Right. And it, yeah. It, that, that, yeah. So yeah. I don't. I, I And uh, as much as I want to applaud, it's like vinyl. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah, it is actually the t- the TV show, the yeah. the, the, the sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 uh, under the under reporting of record sales or, or what they were doing. They're jug- they juggling with the numbers. Yeah. They were buying the extra copies themselves and hiding them in the warehouses. Right. That's to it. To pump yeah. their sales numbers up. Anyway. But as much as I want to support and applaud and celebrate the work of an Aftershock or a Black Mask um, or any of those kind of uh, you know valiant of those uh, of those upstarts, you can't you can't penetrate this market. You just can't. Yeah, I don't even think you could recreate Image now. Like I'm I'm trying yep. to think. I don't think there's any creators of the stature that those guys were at at that time. It's it's funny because I was wondering about this because it's like, you know, Bendis, Brubaker, you know, all these guys they had such personality. And like they were, they were creators you got behind. You couldn't wait to hear them in interviews and things like that. And nothing against you know the the creators of the world now, but it just I, I don't know if it's just because we're older and we're jaded or whatever. But it just doesn't feel as exciting as it did even ten years ago. Possibly, but, there, but there's just no one like think about it. So, Brubaker, Hickman, Fraction, those were three of the top Marvel writers, and they all left Marvel to to do Image books. That didn't shake up the industry, right? You know, uh, if Bendis left now to do the uh, Image book, that wouldn't shake up the industry. Nope. Yeah. It's not like it was back then where all of the top talent left at the same time to do these image books and it blew everybody up. Yeah. The characters are now bigger than the creators. Yep. I mean, they always have been, but at that time, the creators were bigger than the, than the characters were. Yeah. yeah. In that moment in time. And it yeah. just it wouldn't happen now. Yeah, it's and it's upsetting. I mean, because we really, I, I, I like that when when we started the podcast, it was very much a I read a book because Brubaker was doing it. Yeah. And now, and and there's still that to a certain degree, but books don't sell based on the creator names anymore, and that's unfortunate. So, yeah. Thanks for your question, Peter. If you have any questions or comments you want to get on the conversation on the show, email us at contact at ifanboy.com. Don't forget to tell us who you are, where you're from. Peter didn't tell us how long he's been thinking about the question, but we'll let it slide. Yeah. Next time, please let us know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, go to ifanboy.com when you can find that we've put out 
other podcasts as mm-hmm. well. Yes. Um, it's been, you know, we're in summer movie season, uh, and, you know, we, we gave our movie reviews <laughs> of X-Men Apocalypse, of Captain, uh, Captain America Civil War, and uh, we couldn't ignore Warcraft the movie. So if you go back, you, it, this, this was published underneath last week's episode in the feed, so you might have missed it if you were set to auto-download. So go back and look in the feed or go to ifanboy.com. If you're into Warcraft, if you're into World of Warcraft, if you're into the movie Warcraft, if you're just into me, Connor, and Mike Romo talking about movies and really having some uh, existential crises <laughs> around the movies we like, <laughs> go back and listen to that. It was a lot of fun to talk about. So this movie was it. a big topic of conversation at E3 this week. Yeah. <laughs> And also here in Hollywood, too, because it bombed here, but it's blowing up China. It sure is. So uh, you might actually get your second part, Ron, of this movie. I, w- I would gladly thank your it. Chinese brothers for that. Yeah. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Josh resurrected our Talksplode show, which is our creator interview show. And he talked to Tom King and Mitch Gerrids. Uh, they are the creative team behind uh, the Sheriff of Babylon. But they also talked about uh, a lot about uh, process and how they work together and how they work with other people and how Tom King broke into comics. Uh, you probably know he was in the CIA, but he talks about that in depth. Both careers, uh, we had a little bit to do with. A little bit. Just a little bit. We tiny, had, I mean, a tiny they, bit. They had much more than we did. I mean, they actually I did didn't the say first, 90%. <laughs> I would say we're 0.05. Yeah. <laughs> but Tom King discovered Mitch Jarrett through our spotlight article on his art. Yep. And then uh, Tom King, a uh, member of the iFan base. His very first comic script we ever wrote was for a contest we did. And we're very proud of that. So uh, we will expect our 5%, Tom. Yes. All future we earnings. A, we get a cut. We get a cut. Great interviews. Go listen to those. And also, as I mentioned, also go listen to O Comics' interview with Tom King that our old buddy Paul of Montgomery did. But together, those are two uh, good shows to listen to. Finally. Finally, uh, if you can't get enough of us and our babbling, we did a whole podcast that began and ended. <laughs> it was weird. About the movie Goodfellas. It, it ended. Goodfellas. It was weird. Yeah, Goodfellas Minute. It's all there. If you go to goodfellasminute.com, you can subscribe to the show. You can go back and listen to it. It's really interesting. I was looking at the numbers. We were getting a steady no- download. There are people still listening to it, which is yeah. great. And so we appreciate everybody who did that. If you haven't yet, I know we talked about it every week, but go check out goodfellasminute.com. We, we're really proud of it, and we really enjoy doing it. And so we want you to uh, partake in it, especially if you – a lot of people listen to the show because they seem to like our banter. And uh, there's a lot of banter in that podcast. So there you go. I do miss talking about New York City Parkways. I do, I, I, I do too. Let's introduce a segment on that. Especially this week of driving around on them. <laughs> <laughs> Head over to ifanboy.com to comment on this show, talk about this week's book, so you can find the other podcasts we just mentioned over at ifanboy.com. And we have a lot of specialist shows this summer. You can find them all there. You can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy and at ifanboy on Twitter. That's how you can find out what the pick is before the show comes out. And individually, you can find us at J.A. Flanagan. Maybe you can tell us where he is or why he's not on the show if you follow him. Uh, at C.S. Kilpatrick is mine, and at Ron XO is Ron's. Listen, I just want to be clear. We're not saying Josh is missing. No, I just don't know why he's not on the show. But we don't know where he is, so <laughs> so there you go. Finally, if you enjoy the show, if you like what we do, tell your friends about it. Go to the comic book store. Uh, spread the word. Let everyone know about iFanboy. Just write iFanboy.com on Sharpie on trains. Just anything anything you do like that. Grassroots. We enjoy or it. Or put it in a bottle, like a note yeah, in a put bottle. It a bottle. Put it in a bottle. Yeah, exactly. Or you can go to iTunes and write a review of the show. That helps people discover it. Or on any other platform that you uh, absorb this podcast from. If there's any way to uh, share your opinion of it, please do. We appreciate everybody who does it. That's going to wrap it up for this week. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And then right. I guess that's it. I guess that's it. That's it. That's all we can do. It's all over. <laughs> I find my time while biding my time.
just, just.